What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Hoosier City Road Trip Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Yes, coming from Indiana, Indianapolis, you there, me here. I love that we can be in the same city doing, but it's still better for us to be in different places. <laughs> like waving at you, you know. out the window here, Scott. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you did when you when we both arrived. You're like, well, where are you? I tell you what hotel I'm at. I can see you. You're like, I'm a mile away. I'm waving, and I, and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't see. But I took my pictures arriving. There's an Indy car in the airport there's the big banner you know the the, the big the race you know the race is here this city uh, is guys decked on out my, it feels like a super yeah, bowl yeah 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 like there's a pop up indy 500 right. shop people at on the my airport. Yeah, people on my plane were all indy 500 t-shirts the yeah, tallest yeah, yeah. building here is flying a checkered flag in addition to the american flag there's uh this, the city is what's is the ready building for this here? event uh, What's the I, it's a, it, I think it's a bank building. I'm, I can't see it out my window here yet, but when I was further outside the city, I noticed it. Yeah, there's a big checkered flag on top. Now, I have been here many, many times, Super Bowl. I have been here many times for Pacers and finals and things like that. Uh, I, I mean, we're going to do a special episode. We should say we're here because we're going to be doing a special episode of the Sportacast. When's it going to hit? Friday, Saturday? Do we know? I think Friday is most likely, yeah. All right, we're going to target Friday. To, you know, uh, Matt Whitehurst, you're going to have to, uh, you know, make those make those digits go quickly to see if we can get that done. But I mean, our guests, uh, we're we're planning on you know, things change, but we're planning on Elio Castro Neves. So huge name. I mean, still probably recognized uh, in supermarkets for Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> we have uh, the president of the Indy Motor Speedway, Doug Bowles, and. Uh, also, Dan Towers, the CEO of Gainbridge, which is the title sponsor for the race. And I slipped, and I'll tell him I slipped. I was walking by, and, and I was like, oh, Conseco Fieldhouse. Oops. You know, <laughs> so that's actually one of the questions I want to ask him. Like, And, and of Crypto.com is dealing with that with Staples. Sort of, how do you and how long does it take to change the mindset of, of the fan? It's, you know, it's Gainbridge, Gainbridge Fieldhouse, not... Conseco and how how long does it take and how do you do it and how do you activate on this huge event? I, I mean, I got a ton of questions. I think it's going to be a really fun episode. How long do you think your Syracuse friends will say Carrier Dome? Forever. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's there's it? some J- that just JM. Get, what is it? I, I mean, yeah. we and we J- broke that we news, broke Scott. the story yeah. and I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. at least it's Syracuse based, but yeah, it's to, it, I, that's that's one I think. Well, I, maybe you get. I don't know. Maybe you get one full generation, and by generation I mean four years of school, of students that were were never there when it wasn't the carrier dome, or were there when it wasn't the carrier dome. So it's yeah. JMA, right? JMA so, Wireless Dome, I think, is the full answer. Yeah, the, the the freshmen of the JMA's first year 
after they graduate, I think maybe uh, people will. But I'll always call scientific it scientific answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, no air conditioning. Or didn't for a long time. I don't didn't know where they ever yeah. put it in. But I hope didn't there's have wireless. Conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would assume that there's wireless in there. And easy segue because we're in Indy. And of course, Jim Irsay is the owner of the big football team here, the Colts. And uh, at the recent NFL owners meetings, it was Jim Irsay who he sort of becomes sort of front and center guy, right? J- Jim, Jim likes to say some stuff. Sometimes it's a little wacky. Um, but Jim was talking about Roger Goodell's extension. He was talking about the commanders. So, hey, take it away, uh, indie guy. And uh, what was your takeaway from what he had to say about Roger Goodell and his new deal? Yeah, let's start with with Roger. Uh, been the commissioner since 2006 uh, when, when Paul Tagliabu stepped down. Um, 18 years, and it seems like everybody seems pretty happy with, with what he's doing, Scott. Uh, the, the news is he's nearing a three-year deal that will extend him through 2023. I think he'll be 68 years old if I did the math right. We'll extend, when, it'll extend when, him through 2027. Except, Sorry, right, 2027, right? yes. Extended um, 2027, yeah. To, yeah. So 2027, three-year deal. Uh, he'll be 68 by my math when, when that's up. Um, yeah, this is a he's had an inc- incredible run from a business standpoint. I, I went to look this up. Um, I don't want people to think I had this off the top of my head. In 2006, when he started, the average NFL team was valued at a little over $800 million. That's now $4.1 billion, Scott. That's a, essentially a 5x over his tenure. It's not the only thing owners care about, but it's one of the big ones. Um, and, and his ability to be the face of the league. And in the past two decades, they've faced a lot of challenges, right? Colin Kaepernick was a real thing. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, Trump was feuding publicly with the NFL. The concussion concerns uh, are a real existential crisis to the sport of football. That There's so much that has gone on. Dan Snyder, you can argue, is another one, and we'll get to that shortly. There's so much uh, kind of headwinds that have hit the NFL at various times during Roger Goodell's tenure, uh, and he has showed a very deft touch at being able to be the public face of those things, which is the principal part of his job. So I'm not surprised, Scott, and I assume you're not either, that NFL owners, when faced with the idea of extending Roger for another couple of years, seem to be kind of redlining or greenlining that process right through. All right, I have a lot of thoughts, and I was ready to go in on Roger uh, and the NFL until you called head trauma an existential crisis in the NFL. You you really believe that? You think fans I think care? it's an existential crisis for the sport is what I said, um which I think is a little okay, different than the what, NFL, what, right? What happens? Okay, okay. But they re- I'm like what are, what is the ramification? What what's if fewer people play and they're younger, uh I just still think there'll be plenty of people playing in high school and college in places like Texas and Florida and Pennsylvania and New York and I don't think there will ever be a dearth of people willing to play football and aspiring to play in college and then the NFL. Well, yeah, we'll see. I, th- I think the you hit on what I what my point was, which is that yeah, a lot fewer people are going to be playing tackle full pads American football. I think moving forward, um, and and you're right, the NCAA, NFL is very insulated from that. It's going to take a whole lot of people not playing for the NFL's product to go down. I do think people will still continue to watch it, um, but yes, I do think that the head trauma. And look, let's be honest that we don't we don't know everything about the science, right? There there could be more science that comes out in the future that actually makes it clear that the sport is worse for you than we thought, or or better for you than we thought. So I, I don't want to pretend like I know the, the the full answers, but yes, I think from a from a sporting standpoint, I think it's I don't think it's an exaggeration to 
say that for American football, not the NFL, but for the sport, uh, head trauma is a, it, it can be an existential crisis. You know what a tough uh, situation is when you're sitting in the car and you're driving with another father and the kid and my focus group of one says uh, out loud, oh, my father won't let me play football. You know, <laughs> and then, of course, the other kid plays on the team. So he's playing football. And then you get into the, you know, well, dad, why can't I play? Even though we've done this a million times and I don't want to say this father probably is just crazy for letting the kid play right now with everything that we do know at age 13. Uh, of course, I, I encourage my kid to play hockey. So what do I know? Uh, also the same. Um, but it's a, it's a tough situation. I, I think you delay it a little bit. I've told him, you know, you don't need... He's, and he also says, Dad, there aren't that many big collisions. Doesn't understand it's sort of the smaller collisions and the repetitive and, I, you know, whatever. I just say, no, go play your whatever you want to do. And and they probably beat each other up worse when they go play on the turf field every day. That I have no idea. And that's where he is right now. As we record, he just called me. Two things. Where are you? I'm at the field. Great. And then there's the question, Dad, how much money is on my card? Can you put some more? We're all going to get food. So that's that's what I'm good for. But as for Roger Goodell, what he's good for, let's think about what the job requirements are and how Roger's done. By the way, Roger, remember, started as an intern. So talk about really working your, you know, this is like mailroom on up stuff, right? Ari Emanuel, mailroom all, all the way up. Um, his job, first and foremost, is to make money for the owners. He's done a just a fantastic job. You know, every single team cash flow positive. Every single team is appreciating in value. We're seeing six billion dollars uh, each time. You went from like what was it? What was the one point four Buffalo? And then we went now two, we're like two point, uh, two point something with Tepper. Yep, four point okay. six. Then you've got the Broncos and Rob Walton at four plus, and now you're at six with Josh. All without changing the rules. We'll see what happens beyond that. Okay, so that's a big check mark. Yes, uh, be pretty much the flak jacket for the owners. You take the heat. Whenever something is unpopular, it's Roger's fault, right? No owner wants to take the blame. They want to point at Roger and say, go yell at him. He stands up there at the press conference every year at the Super Bowl. He takes the heat. He takes the tough questions, whether it's head trauma or whether it's sort of minority hiring practices. It's Roger's job to get up there and take the heat. Check. Okay, great. That seems like enough to get him an extension. But let me ask you this, Evan Novi williams Unlike the NBA, where there was a clear succession plan, where David Stern, years in advance, made it clear Adam is the new commissioner, and he he was well, that sort of uh, commissioner in waiting for, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but then he took over right as the Donald Sterling thing was going down, and he handled it deftly, and he cemented himself as the commissioner, probably because he was had these training wheels on for a while, right? What What's going on in the NFL? If Roger Goodell quit today... You know as well as I do, so many people say to us, who's the next commissioner? Is it? I, and everybody can name a bunch of people that are, that are maybes, yeah. but in-house, sure, you're gonna, you're, first you're going to look at Brian Rolap and say, maybe it's Brian Rolap. Is he the next commissioner? I don't know. Are they looking outside? I don't know. I don't think there is a succession plan. And knowing where the NFL is headed, what's the background of the person that would what's the skill set what's the background what's the experience of the person who will replace Roger Goodell yeah the it, it, it's a great question and the the 
Uh, the, the NBA in that example you gave is the outlier here, right? Gary Bettman's been in the job in the NHL for a long time. Yeah, Gary There's doesn't no have public a, successor. Yeah, you're right. Don Garber has been in yep. this job for a long time in MLS. There's no public successor there. Um, so, so I do think the NBA handled, obviously, I think that's an outlier. And I would argue in, in a way, and, and we can maybe debate this, I would argue that the NBA, just because of how, how much it changed under David Stern, that the the job that Adam stepped into was so vastly different than the job that David stepped into. And you wanted, obviously, two very different people to handle those things. I, I gave those numbers about Roger's tenure, but I don't think the job in 2024 or 2027 when Roger's done is that materially different than it was in 2006, right? It was the d- dominant property in sports. It still is. It had the highest valuations. It still does. It's still trying to figure out a, a little bit about what the media landscape changes. But I think you still want yeah, but the I think same the, kind I, I don't of know if person. I, there. No? I, I think yeah. the NFL, yeah, yeah, yes, but I think the NFL at, at its core now is, is it's, it's a media company. It, yeah. And the same as the NBA, these are media companies, you know, and, and you've got to do, uh, you need tech, you, you need a whole division of R&D, it, I mean, it is it is different. The, the game is the same, and we're presenting it different ways. It's, um, but the NFL is trying to you know cement itself around the globe. Uh, I I think the job has changed as as the media has changed. Um, it's how do you maintain that advantage that you have? Uh, how do you get the networks or the streaming services? And I think we're seeing this with the JVs now with with Redbird. Uh, on content creation and, and sort of studio, um, these these teams, these leagues are tech and media companies first and foremost, and those are the folks that are going to need uh, that kind of background to make it happen. Roger Goodell, obviously, when he was hired, was a, a long time an NFL lifer at that point, and and, and yeah. one of the things about his job, and you touched on it, that I think gets kind of lost in a lot of the conversation about him is just how hard. Uh, and how good he seems to be at kind of balancing all of the internal drama. There are NFL owners huge, who hate each other. Eben, huge there, point you just brought up. That is a yeah. huge point that he has managed to navigate those internal waters. And and it's really hard for an outsider to do that, right? I imagine when Roger was promoted, there were a lot of NFL owners who were very comfortable with Roger, had known him for a very long time, um, and, and kind of that that eased that. I, I do agree the NFL it's a media company first and foremost. Now it's a really hard job for an outsider, maybe even an impossible job for an outsider to step into. And that's going to be, I think part of the challenge here. There've been a lot of NFL executives who have left the league in the past five years or so, but there is a, a an internal benefit to hiring internally and in that you already have those relationships, at least in part in place, because that that's the hardest part, in my opinion, is that you have owners who don't like each other. You have owners from very different industries, from different eras, who have very different feelings about what the league should and should not be doing, what's overstepping the league's bounds. And and Rogers obviously feuded with owners in the past, but uh, he seems to have been able to really effectively keep the, the keep the car on the tracks, so to speak. Um, and, and and I do think that's a big reason why he's paid whatever it is, forty, fifty, sixty million dollars a year, and is about to get a three year extension. All right. So, who would have been? Do you see, like, you know, Eric Grubman? Do you see Anthony Noto? Like, those are examples of folks who have who have left, left yeah. the NFL. Um, yeah, and we we've talked about leagues looking to change compensation structure for executives because they they just can't get you know long term incentive plans like uh, or equity like you can get from companies. So it's hard to keep these folks. Uh, I'm sure the commissioner you make forty, fifty, sixty. When it's all said and done, look three years down the line. 
uh, back of napkin math. You want to give me a note? I don't think you've done it yet, but you want to give me a number as to what Roger Goodell has collected in terms of salary? You can you can you guess? Ooh, that's a great question. So it's he's been he's been in the job for I, eighteen I years, right? Um, I mean, I would think he started obviously lower than he is right now, but ten million a year would be one hundred and eighty. I assume he's higher than that on average. Let's say two seventy five. See, I love this. This strikes me as like an Amazon question at a job interview. They just want to see yeah. the thought process, right? I yeah. think I read somewhere where Amazon asks you how many window panes are there in Seattle, and then they just want—they don't—they know you don't have the answer, but they yeah. want to see the thought process. So, whoever's going to interview for like the commissioner job, either with Roger or some owners, remember how many window panes are in Seattle. Think about how you would answer that. But I think it's going to be nor- north, north of three quarters of a billion with a B dollars for Roger Goodell. Oh, and I was way off. Okay, we. Yeah, you're so way off. I was going to thirty something yeah, million a year. Am I doing that math right? No, more, way more yeah. than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fifty yep, million yep. a year, a little so, more. Yeah. But remember, there were years he's forty, fifty plus, and bonuses. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't get a peek at it anymore. Remember, the NFL at the, at the home office gave up its tax exempt status so that we could not see what the highest paid executives make. And I mean, that's another discussion about private equity and and sort of uh, other disclosure and what the NFL doesn't like about private equity. That would go in a totally different way. But let's not do that. Um, but we can talk about where the NFL is headed and private equity when we're talking about the commanders. Still no deal. Still some things to be ironed out. Uh, but this is like, to me, who's been following this quite a bit, the people reporting news that's no news. <laughs> I, I don't think you would find a person alive inside the NFL who thinks that whatever speed bumps exist... I'm not even sure we'd call them a speed bump anymore. A speed, what's smaller than a bump? What's a, a speed pimple. There's a speed, I mean, there's a few speed pimples that are left and they can pop it. They can put some oxy on it. They can dry it out, whatever you want. But by no means is the speed pimple going to derail Josh Harris becoming the owner of the Washington Commanders. I, I think that right, that's right. And, and not that it would be different in a different scenario, but the motivation that everybody in the NFL has about getting the old guy out does seem like it is, it is really working, uh, in, in the Harris group's favor. Um, you, you're right. There's, there's so much noise about this. Brian Davis's lawsuit, which got a lot of attention right now, <laughs> I'm sure is, is not a factor thinking at all in, in NFL circles. Nope. Um, Josh and his group are extremely well capitalized or at least have, have, have a lot of net worth. I know the capital structure is part of the issue of what's been maybe a little bit of a holdup, but I think you're right. The, the the desire to get people out, the ability of Josh and Mitch Rails and everybody else there to have money and get money if they need more or more structure. The fact that they're so close, we've talked about Josh Harris on this podcast before. He's been a runner-up bidder for a lot of teams, including the Mets and, and the Broncos. Um, I think all those things are coming together to be exactly what you said. This deal may be taking a little bit longer to approve than what it originally seemed like. There may be some changes that need to be made, but I, I, you know, I would be shocked like you are if this deal does not happen with this group buying the team. There we go. Well, you know, so having a, a talk about structure and struggles, uh, how about Learfield? You didn't know I was mm. going there, number two. But how about Learfield? <laughs> great, and 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 I don't uppercase capitalize great all too often, but a great story by Emily Karen talking about Learfield's debt coming due and sort of the process that that they're going through, uh, and not surprised on like Under Armour when they were looking to renegotiate some of their higher cost deals with schools. Learfield seems to be doing the same exact thing. 
Yeah, then we can give people a little bit of background on on Learfield. It is it is the dominant. They call them multimedia rights uh, company in 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 college parlance. But essentially, Learfield is a is a middleman commercial rights negotiator for um, essentially the dominant force in that industry across college sports. So negotiating anything from TV, local media, radio rights, all the way through sponsorship and naming rights and signage and things like that. And, and it works with the vast majority of all the biggest and a lot of the smallest uh, colleges in the country. And and it, it is the current iteration is, is a product of a merger of the two biggest ones, to just to give you a sense of the scale that, that Leofield has at this point. Uh, and, and you're right. Emily just did a great story. $1.1 billion of debt, which is due this year. Uh, some of those payments are due at the end of this month. I think they start and then a few more over the summer. Um, there, there've been a lot written about Learfield's capacity to pay that debt down. SMP, I believe said earlier this year that, that it, that, that it did not expect the company was going to be able to Cole Gahagan, the CEO told Emily that there was a restructuring plan. Those talks are going on and, and there could be news at some point in the next few weeks. My guess would be that that would look something like, uh, some of the debt holders become equity holders. Um, but the COVID obviously well, had a huge like, effect like on an this company's business. Yeah, it, it, but 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 in a it's slightly in a different way, right? The 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 COVID pandemic really upended a lot of these commercial deals. And the other kind of sure. interesting wrinkle here to me is that the the way Learfield and IMG before it merged, the way this this group used to sign contracts, and I'm talking 10, 15 years ago, um, was big rights fee payments to the, to the schools upfront. Give you give you a check. Then they went out back, We monetize, and the the, yeah. the future of this business, I think, and Learfield is trying to get to that point. The future of this business is doing deals that are more revenue sharing. So instead of Scott, me giving you a, a ten million dollar check every year, and you not worrying about working with me to help sell this thing, instead finding some partnership where you and I work together with your rights to figure this out, where everybody's incentivized in the same way economically, uh, and Learfield is transitioning to that. Some of the deals that were renegotiated in the pandemic, from what I understand understand, move towards that model. Uh, as Emily reported, they renegotiated, I think, six deals, including UCLA and FSU relatively recently. Uh, those are deals, again, that were signed before the merger, before current leadership uh, in this kind of older model. Uh, but I think the, the story is fascinating. If they can restructure, if they can get out of the debt a little bit, it seems like there's a very, very easy road here for this to be a very profitable and or healthy company. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see what they do and what that looks like to get to that point over the next few months. How comfortable am I as a school president or athletic director at another Learfield school that has not renegotiated? I am keeping a very close eye on how this turns out. A hundred percent. I think you're you're wary about what Learfield may come to you and say. I, I would also argue that how comfortable are you in any role in college sports right now? I think very uncomfortable. There there is so much there's so much changing in that world from the way colleges make money, how much of that goes to players, the the concerns of five years ago are not the concerns right now. There's conference realignment. There's so much happening in college sports right now. Um, and 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 you're right. I think if a lot of Learfield and and we've heard from some of these schools a lot. A lot of the Learfield schools are very obviously very closely watching what happens with this restructure, what it looks like moving forward. If their deal is up or when their deal is up, are they going to want to try to open up the negotiations? Do they want to stay where they are? There's a lot going on here for, again, one of the most powerful, and I'm not exaggerating here, one of the more powerful companies in college sports nationwide. Now, speaking of exaggeration, and I don't know if you meant to do this. And I didn't scold you in real time because you were on a bit of a roll. 
Ruh-roh. But did you mean to pronounce the word parlance? You said <laughs> I in, used the in word the parlance of in the you, you said college parlance. I'm like, are you trying oh, to say in the parlance of? Oh, you did. God. You parlanced it. I, so I shouldn't use I, that I, word I anywhere. Know if right? <laughs> but no, I, I, I don't mind parlance in the parlance of you know sport in the parlance of the locker room in the parlance of. I have no problem, but I do have a problem if you're gonna like guss it up and do parlance. It's parlance. Like just anyway. Huh. It's parlance in the parlance of something. Yeah. Interesting. And you parlanced yeah. it. So not only did I yeah, use that, it, I used that, it. That I pronounced it incorrectly. Yeah, that's brutal. I uh, okay, I just want to make sure if I all right. <laughs> EA Sports, it is in the game. And you know what game is back? College football. There was a big deal back a while back when EA was like, well, we're not gonna pay the players. And you know, the judge had ruled, but well, you can't use their name, image, and likeness then, so you can't have a college football game. I mean, you could have these sort of nameless, faceless you, you could have the school uniforms, but you couldn't say the quarterback from this team. That was a no-no. Well, now, thanks to NIL, thanks to group license of, of one team, and I'm not debating the merit of whether this is a good deal or a bad deal. I know you think this is a great deal for EA, but if we're talking about, uh, again, back of napkin, if we're talking about like the most any player, it doesn't matter if you're a backup at Troy or the star quarterback at Notre Dame or Alabama, we're talking 500 bucks. But it's in the game and they're in the game and now the game is back. It, it's such this is such an interesting one, right? Because when when NIL happened, there was so much discussion about how do you compensate who compensates Johnny Manziel relative to the the third uh, that was the example tackle. I love the most. Remember Johnny was the guy everybody pointed to but how much could Johnny Manziel make? I love I love that reference. Hundred percent, and and this is an example, as you said, of uh, a, a, an NIL opportunity where it is totally agnostic whether you are, from what we understand, whether you're the starting quarterback at Texas A and M or you're the third left guard at Texas A and M. Everyone's opting into the same thing and getting the same pool, and it's not a lot of money, Scott. The, I think EA is setting about setting aside about five hundred, uh, about five million dollars. So divide that by ten thousand players if they opt in, and you're talking five hundred dollars a player. What I think is so interesting about this is that the, I think the the way that EA did this really puts in stark relief how much athletes actually also get from being in this game, and and I do think that they should be compensated for being in it. But in an alternate world where EA and theoretically maybe they could have done this, it would have gotten some blowback. But if EA said we're not going to compensate anybody, but if you sign this document, you can be in that video game. Uh, I think that thousands and thousands of college football players w- w- would sign to be to be in that game, right? So EA is very cognizant of the fact that that players are getting something for being in the game, uh, a marketing benefit. It's cool; you can play as yourself. They like that. There's a lot of benefit for athletes in being in this game beyond just the compensation that EA is giving. Uh, so, so five hundred dollars I think looks small for some people, and it definitely will be for some, right? If Johnny Manziel, Caleb Williams, let's choose him. Heisman Trophy frontrunner, right? The ability to use his name and likeness in a massive video game for five hundred dollars is is the steal of a lifetime, right? And it's and it's probably overpaying for for again thousands of athletes as well. But I think the way EA is going about this and and one team which is doing it with them, I think they're doing it in a savvy way. And I'm fascinated to see how many people. Does Caleb Williams understand that as much as he wants to be in this game, he's being severely undercompensated for it, or does he say? I'm making money elsewhere. I want to be in the game. I think it's cool to play as myself as 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 the quarterback and and I'm willing to take $500 just to do that. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what the opt-ins look like. 
Like at the NBA level years ago when they had the group license, some players would opt out and therefore the league could not use their marks or whatever. I, I don't know. I think we're going to go there because there are just so many. There's a handful, and it's not a lot. It's the Manzels, the one, two every year that are worth so much more that we'll say, nope, can't do it. Not, can't use me. Can't do it. Um, I, I remember, we'll, we'll, I remember we'll that, that with goes. the... With the NFLPA, there were when I used to play Madden, right? There were a few. I think Lavar Arrington was one of them, but there were always a few players that were. Did you just play like number wait, Did you play real Madden or lightweight Madden? Which did you play real or lightweight Madden? <laughs> That's good. That was good. I did not see Thank that you. coming. <laughs> I was. It's funny when when you were talking about football participation earlier. I was going to weigh in with my own experience, and I chose not to because I knew exactly where, you knew where, I where the conversation Perfect. was going to go. Um, but we came Perfect. back to it anyway. Um, yeah, there, there. I always used to wonder, like, why is Lavar Arrington just number 99 right and it was because he had opted out of whatever the group license was in the NFL for the uh, for the Madden video game so yeah we're, we're gonna see right and if this goes well I could see a world where this expands to the college basketball game etc if they want to do that at some point as well so um, yeah there, there, there's a whole lot of and I'm sure other companies are looking at this as an experiment to see does this model work or 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 do we need to be doing some kind of tiered thing to get the better athletes the bigger checks all right, let's do this on the macro level and on the personal level. Macro level looks like Facebook. For whoever ever thought of Facebook as sort of a live sport, you know, they had the baseball games, the exclusive baseball games. I think it was Mets Phillies. And the, do you know the reason that it was Mets Phillies was the first game that Facebook showed live? Do you know why? Who is Mark Zuckerberg I'll, a huge I'll, Phillies fan? No, he no, grew up in DC. No, no, but you know who's a huge Mets fan? Hmm. That was Rob Shaw. Our oh, friend Rob okay. Shaw is a huge Mets fan, and he said, go. if we're going to do this, let's kick it off with Mets and the rival Phillies. That's why it happened. Well, Love Rob, uh, we learned we learned today, Rob, uh, as part of sort of the, the uh, reorganization of Meta, Facebook, however you want to call it, uh, this whole sort of, I, I think, pullback from sports. There were three sports executives from Meta let, let go and Rob among them. Um, so personal level, you know, I, we used to work with Rob. I've done a lot yep. with Rob. Great executive, can't wait to see what he does next. Macro level, not really sure what do we what's meta do in sports. Not that, you know, we we have Amazon, we have Google, there are streaming options for the NFL and the others and the NBA. We we get it. Uh, but it it just looked as if for a while that Facebook would be one of them or could be one of them. Not so much anymore. Yeah, and it th- th- this th- this does not surprise me from a direction of Facebook kind of way. The Dan Reed and Peter Hutton, who who played big roles on that team over the past few years, have, are also no longer in those specific positions. Uh, if you had asked three years ago, it, it probably did look like there was a chance that Facebook was going to be a big player in the live sports rights. They were early into doing stuff with MLB. They had some Champions League games as well. Uh, it, it looked like they were dipping their toe in. And then uh, a couple of years ago, it became very clear that the direction was live events are too expensive. It does not really fit in with the Facebook video strategy, in which case the the, the, the kind of relationships that, that Facebook had shifted more towards the kind of highlight video sharing audience engagement, those kind of deals that, that Facebook does. Uh, so, so I'm not surprised. I think there is a, and we're seeing this across the, the, the Disney plus numbers as another example. There's kind of a sobering, I think kind of halo happening around, 
uh, digital and streaming right now where a lot of people are, are, are rethinking their plans, maybe right-sizing their workforces and things like that. Um, but but yes, I agree with you. I think Facebook, they obviously looked at this world. They were a bidder on a whole lot more than just the baseball and the, and the Champions League that I mentioned there. Um, but it seems very clear, at least right now, that this is not a company that is going to rush into sports in the way that Amazon, for example, seems very willing to be doing. All right, get ready to stretch. In the parlance of radio and podcasting, it is time for us to wrap. We will do it then live from Indianapolis. And folks, check out the new Sportercast, the special episode dropping later this week from the Indy 500. He is Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Eben Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Matt Whitehurst. Shout out to Matt. He does a great job. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that this is the hub of the Sportico Media Network, and there's more episodes coming. Ha <laughs> <laughs>